the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If I had a stethoscope and I put it to my ears, are you with me? And I put it right here in Isaiah 53, I would hear the heart of God beating. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion to walking out on unbelief. That's walking out on unbelief, and we know that you'll enjoy it. If you'd like a copy, remember that these messages are all available for you at reachingyourheart.com after they've been broadcast. Again, reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with the conclusion to walking out on unbelief. Here's Pastor Mike. The Word of God is the divine seed in Scripture. Jesus spoke of it in His parables that is sown in the dead hearts of men and women in the world, overcome with fear and perplexity. And the words of Jesus makes hopeless lives live again. Now look at 1 Peter 1, 23. Peter says, You have been born anew, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. In other words, seed that can't be destroyed. Through the living and abiding Word of God. You cannot destroy the Word of God. You just can't knock it down and make it go away. As soon as the women remembered Jesus' words, their lives were suddenly changed forever by what He said in light of what had happened to them. And that forever change started that day when they believed His words. You know, it's hard to think that Jesus' mother would forget something like Jesus' words, but she did like we do. She was in the group. Luke tells us that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were there at the tomb that day. And they told the disciples what they saw when the angels helped them to figure it all out. And Luke indicates that they didn't leave one person out. He says they told them all. And they were so excited about it. Have you ever seen an excited woman running through the church? What? I mean an excited woman running through the church. It's good. In fact, I've seen them raising their hands and waving and praising the Lord here in the kitchen and other places. And so the Word of God got around because transformed hearts on fire shared it. Jesus is alive. That was the basic message that morning. The living and abiding Word of God is alive. Is He alive in your life? The New American Standard Bible catches the real response to the women's report. Luke 24, verse 11. And these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. Now, you don't want to tell a lady who's excited that it's nonsense. Right? There will be trouble in the home that week. There will be more trouble if you don't quit doing it. Now, this is the setting for the encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. 
These ladies have been reduced to nonsense by the men of the church that is going nowhere. Emmaus was a town about seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven miles would take you about two hours and 20 minutes. That's a good enough time for a Bible study if you can remember what's in the Bible walking along the way. Luke 24, 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now in the walk, Jesus shows up and Jesus speaks up. And Jesus asks the question, verse 17, what is your conversation about? And of course, they fire right back at this man who doesn't seem to have a clue. Are you the only one who doesn't have a clue what has happened these last three days concerning Jesus and how our leaders, the priests and elders, killed him? Don't you read the news? Don't you watch CNN or Fox News or listen to talk radio or read Jerusalem Times? Luke is very clear in verse 16 that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. No supernatural evidence is given to turn the tide of unbelief here that day except the evidence that comes from the Bible on the way. Friend, God is not going to work some miracle in your life to prove that he is God if you are not willing to open your Bible every day and check him out in the scriptures. Some people say, well, you know, if God would just show me that he exists. Have you read your Bible enough to check him out? There's evidence that he exists. The prophetic evidence of the Bible is profoundly deep. The linguistic evidence in the Bible is profoundly deep and clear when it is seen. And you can find it. In verse 17, Luke records that Cleopas and his friend were sad. They considered Jesus a prophet. Mighty indeed, they say. And they had a hope in their hearts. And it's written in the text that he would redeem Israel. That he would save them. And when he died, that hope died with him. Look at verse 21. Luke 24. But we had hoped. Is that present tense or past tense? We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And that was the Messiah. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. In other words, our hope was alive three days ago. It's not alive today. Moreover, some women of our company, see this is the link in the story, some women of our company amazed us. Well, they had told them that they were full of nonsense. Look what it says. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now in the context, the miracle of what the women saw was taken to be nothing more than a madness of what they did not see when they got to the tomb. Isn't that amazing? That's the problem with miracles. They are never really good enough for the kind of faith that lasts. Right? You can always reason a miracle away in hard times. Well, it didn't happen because of this. You can find some hole in it, and so your faith can falter. And when the miracle is questionable, it can come to naught in your mind and thus not work for you. And that's why we don't need weeping Madonnas and celestial signs from heaven like UFOs and anything else like that to believe in Jesus Christ in our life. We don't need this. We need the Bible, the evidence that is over centuries, that breaks time-space barriers. We need the Bible with its prophetic evidence to give our faith a better foundation than miracles, fancy feelings, liturgy, you know, cultural inclusiveness, whatever you want to call it. 
or exclusiveness. The right and the left, I don't care for either of these extremes. People put all kinds of things in the mix to substitute for that which is clearest, the Scriptures. Christ was a walking, talking miracle that day, but He didn't show it to them until they saw the Scriptures. And so the walking miracle they couldn't recognize rebuked them for their unbelief in the Bible. Look at Luke 24, verse 25. And He said to them, O foolish men, Now, what do they call these ladies? What? Full of nonsense, right? Which means they were foolish women. That's what they were saying. Now, what does Jesus say when he shows up on the road to the men? Oh, foolish men. We should have had some amens from the ladies. I can't believe it. They're being respectful here, okay? Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe. He didn't say the ladies are foolish here. They did believe. O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe, here it is, all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, to believe that your whole Bible is sound. To believe that God put the Old Testament, the Tanakh, together so that you would recognize the events of this day. Was it not necessary, verse 26, that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into His glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets He interpreted them in all the Scriptures, the things concerning Himself. Jesus had a Bible study that day in which He went through every book of the Bible from Genesis to Second Chronicles because that's the order of the Hebrew Tanakh. And when He was done, He demonstrated that these women at the tomb were right. That they were not just fanatics. That they were absolutely correct. Not on the basis of the miracle, but on the basis of the Scriptures. The modern Christian movement today would have you get your religious experience from Christian rock music. In fact, the emerging church movement would have you substitute biblical truth for social feelings that the kingdom of God is here. I mean, there's no kingdom of God anywhere if it's not obedient to the Bible. Did you hear what I said? The emerging church movement is a false revival in our time. It's not leading people to Christ. It's leading them away from Christ. A big concert where people wave their hands, waving high and crying as they move back and forth in tandem in the crowd, claiming that Christ is there. In and of itself, it doesn't do anything because God wants us to find Jesus in the Holy Bible and in prayer meeting and doing the things that Christians have done for centuries. We live in the age of narcissistic, subjective Christianity. For many think they are prophets and they are quick to say, the Lord told me this or that. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. You know, you better be careful with talk like that if you're not a prophet. You can say, I feel impressed. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. But when you move into prophet talk, you are in trouble if you're not a prophet. And then they contradict the Bible and the character and word. We are living in the age of miracles in the Christian church. And yet so many people do not believe enough in the miracle of the Bible to read it. Friend, the Bible is the ultimate miracle that we can examine with our eyes. The book of Revelation tells us in Revelation 16, 12 to 14 that demons will go out at the end of time to gather the nations, the kings of the earth, for the great battle of Armageddon. In Revelation 14, 6 to 12, angels, three of them, followed by a fourth in Revelation 18, will gather God's people out of the confusion, a Bible-believing, Christ-loving people at the time of the end. So the gathering is in two places, bad and good. And I would have liked to have been there that day when Jesus, from memory, opened up the Scriptures and led them through Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, through Lamentations, the Song of Solomon, every one of those books. And He showed that He was the Messiah. Now if I were to ask you today to prove the resurrection of Christ on the third day from the Old Testament, how many of you think you could? Raise your hands. 
Only a few. A few of you could. You see, there's no way to do this without Leviticus 23, the feasts of Israel. Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the wave sheep on the third day, when the first fruits of the barley harvest come to life. You see, so even the boring parts of the Bible, you know, like Leviticus or the genealogies, they're full of meaning and explanation. Christ is in the whole Bible. Jesus rebuked to them as plainly stated, O foolish men, slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I stand in the ranks of religious leaders, not so much in our church, but in a few places, but I hear pastors at times, who undermine the testimony of Jesus. As if somehow, when the Holy Spirit speaks through a prophet, they're smarter than the prophet. Or they know more than God's revelation through the Scriptures. And then they think they're so smart that they can point out errors. And usually the error is in their way of thinking, not in the Scriptures at all, because God's ways are higher than our ways. In fact, always it is that way. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Please stay tuned. Don't forget you can find this message and many other messages online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Please also keep in mind that we are a listener-funded ministry. We so appreciate your help in keeping this broadcast on the air. 888-244-HOPE. 888-244-4673 is a telephone number to call if you'd like to help us out with a contribution of any amount, or you can go online to reachingyourheart.com. At the close of today's message, please stay tuned. We have a special offer for you that you will want to take advantage of. Let's continue on now with Pastor Michael Tanko. This statement stands in direct contrast to the women who have believed. There are many people today who do not believe because they believe the Bible is nonsense. They have this idea the Bible is so human that it cannot be a divine document. They have this idea that the Bible is full of errors, as I said, so it cannot be the book that came from God. And so they ignore the words of life because they have listened to smart theologians or philosopher kings who have convinced them with trickery that the Bible cannot be trusted as the living and abiding Word of God in their lives. The testimony of Jesus in every age can be trusted because the Bible is alive. Does anybody have a stethoscope here? If I had a stethoscope and I put it to my ears, you with me? And I put it right here in Isaiah 53, I would hear the heart of God beating. You can't read that. It's alive. The gift of Jesus, the Lamb of God. I've been searching the Scriptures in the last few years in a personal journey because I want to know an answer to a question. I want to know if the Bible that I hold in my hand that really coalesced in the 1800s. Most people don't realize it, but our Bible came together around the year 1826. Did you know that? The early church believed in most of the books. It took about three to 400 years to agree on what books were inspired. In the Middle Ages, the Apocrypha was added. The early church and Jesus never recognized it as Scripture. It is not Scripture. When the King James Version and the Protestant Bibles were printed, the Apocrypha was initially printed with the books that we have in our present Bible. It wasn't until 1826 when the Scottish Bible Society decided because it made sense and because it was evident that these books are not the Word of God, they were expunged from the English Bible. The King James Version had translated them, and so presses began to quit printing the Apocrypha in their Bible. We hold in our hand the Protestant Bible today with a certain order. The Tanakh, the order of the Old Testament books, were rearranged over centuries, and the Apocrypha was expunged in the 1800s in the printing of the Bible. 
And thus our Bible came into existence after 1798, after the French Revolution in which the rise of secularism arose, just before the great Advent Awakening when the proclamation of the first angel's message was felt globally around the world. Our Bible solidified for the time of the end. Now that's the fact of history. And let me just show you a piece of a chiastic structure that shows this. How many of you ever heard of Albert Einstein? You ever heard of Albert Einstein? Albert Einstein is the father of quantum mechanics, the science of the super small. He got his Nobel Prize in the photoelectric effect, not relativity. He also didn't like it, didn't like the implications of how an electron here can talk to an electron miles away, and he called it spooky action at a distance. Repeat that phrase with me. Spooky action at a distance. It means information should not break time-space barriers according to his beloved theory, the general theory of relativity. You can't go faster than the speed of light. How can information here talk to the future or talk to something beyond the light barrier? Can't happen, he said. He called it spooky action at a distance. Well, I worship a great I am God. I worship the God who was, who is, and is coming. God is the God who can speak of the future resurrection and say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus said, this he said of the resurrection. You see, spooky action at a distance shows that the Bible is the Word of God. I'm going to show you evidence from my personal research over the last few years to show you how pieces of the Old Testament correlate with the New as if they were written as a single linguistic document over centuries as if they are one. In the Bible, the entire Bible, the Protestant canon, in the last three years, we have empirical evidence that is overwhelming, that it is a linguistic structure, as if it was written at one time. That Bible that coalesced in the 1820s has a linguistic, chiastic structure that moves through every one of these books in their present order. That means whoever wrote Daniel, whoever wrote Matthew, whoever wrote Zechariah, It's as if they were being written and pieced together by someone greater who was writing all of them. Because it's not the word of men, as we often say in our faithlessness. It is the abiding and living word of God. Christ arranged the scriptures at the time of the end as if it had been written that way all along. The experts say the Bible can't break those kind of barriers. The experts are wrong. I sent this to my professor at the seminary who concurs with this discovery. And I said, Dr. Davidson, why did it come to us at this time of verse history? Why did it coalesce in the 1800s with the Apocrypha being expunged? That the Bible forms a complete linguistic grid as if it was written by one author at one time. And he said, Mike, I'll tell you why I think it is. I think what has happened is that Revelation 11 has been fulfilled where the two witnesses of God's Word have been elevated at the time of the end. Now, I am trying to illustrate to you in only one simple way that Zechariah makes sense with Hebrews because it's not two books. It's one book. It's the Bible. The Word of God is in agreement. The linguistic connections, the thematic connections are written as if it's a single book. God has given us His Word so that we can study it like science or live on it like a daily devotional book. It works in every level. And it is the abiding and living Word of God. And so the travelers on the road to Emmaus arrived that day at their house. And they invited Jesus in to their home. Because he was so good with the Bible. You know, we should do the same with Jesus in the Bible. And when Jesus came to their house, he sat down with them. And they had a good supper together with him. I'd like to eat with Jesus one day, wouldn't you? On each side of Jesus' death, there's a supper. 
The Lord's Supper was on the night he was betrayed. And the second supper, as they arrive at Emmaus, was on the evening he was raised from the dead. And between the two suppers, we have the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And friend, we need to feed on these two things in our lives until Jesus comes again. It will not stop feeding on them even then. You know, I have bread in my life. How many of you like to bake bread? You want to bake bread around here? Well, you know, I need to break bread from the Bible every now and then in my life. Are you that way? I need it right here from God's Word. We need the gospel bread in the church to escape the power of the tomb that has taken over the church. You know, the reason why I spent the last five years doing this research was because a theologian in our church told me that the Bible can't do this kind of thing. Did you hear me? So he was unwilling to look at the evidence of other discoveries. And I set aside the book I'm writing, Omare Chadzon, and then I took the step to attack the issue of the canon of Scripture itself. And friend, we possess in our hands as the remnant church of the apocalypse the Word of God, as all Protestant churches do. My prayer is to show this material in the shadow of Spectrum magazine, which has done tremendous harm to the truth of God at this time. There are souls that will be lost in the kingdom because of the attitude of unbelief that this magazine and others who have put forth. And I'm going to the shadow of that magazine and that culture to put that evidence out there. Because by God's grace, the remnant church will believe in the Bible and the testimony of Jesus again. And we need not fear what super smart theologian types have to say. The evidence is overwhelming. And we have reason to believe. You know, you got me going today. I had to share that with you. Why? Because my heart is burning with the thrill of what the Bible and the testimony of Jesus contains for us as a people. We need the bread that is broken in the church. We need to expunge this other stuff that brings the church down. If you're avoiding prayer meeting, then you ought to start coming to prayer meeting. You know, we teach and preach the Word of God in prayer meeting. Happens in small groups and homes as well. Luke indicates that Jesus turned to stay with them. It's kind of like the message of the latest in church. Christ has been knocking at the door for a long time, and I want to come in and sup with you and you with me, but you won't even believe in the Bible like you should anymore. Let me come in. And so Jesus went in to eat with them inside their house. Luke 24, 30. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them. No doubt they saw at that moment, as he took the bread and he broke it, they saw the nail prints in his hands. It doesn't say it, but they must have. Look at verse 31 in the text. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. That's a miracle. The miracle of verse 31 is mentioned in passing here to get to the real stuff of verse 32. Why? Because a vanishing act is not as impressive as the joy of knowing Jesus in the Scriptures. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us on the road, while He opened to us, what? The Scriptures. You see, the real joy comes when we understand the Bible as the Word of God. We can see it as it traces the life of Christ. We can see the evidence that points to who He is. And thus the miracle isn't done away with as it could have been because vanishing acts happen all the time. But the Scriptures are living and abiding. They don't go away. When Christ appeared in that upper room and the men to Emmaus had run back that evening along the same road, they came to the room and Jesus was there. And he ate that piece of fish to prove he was alive. 
He opened up their minds, it says, to understand the scriptures. Now we need to pray in our church, in our lives, that God opens our hearts and opens our minds to understand and believe the word of God. To believe the word of God. May Jesus bless you and keep you in the living and abiding word of God. Father, I pray for a new day in our personal devotional lives. Not where we're doing chiastic structures every minute, Lord, but we're reading it as the bread and word of God in our lives. But Lord, I pray for a new day for the thinkers of this church. That they'll stop trying to think smart thoughts without the Bible. And that we will once again be fully committed to the book that has given us the truth for this day. And Lord, help us in humility to love the people of God and to be loved by you and to walk and grow in the living and abiding word. In Jesus' name, who is the word, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude Walking Out on Unbelief. Don't forget you can find this message and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We so appreciate your contributions. And for a donation of any amount, we have a very special offer for you today. At a time when many people have accepted the evolutionary hypothesis, Seeing is Believing is a book that reveals the remarkable design in nature, demonstrating a mastermind behind all of creation. Where there is design, there must be a designer. Where there is intelligent design, there must be an intelligent designer. Your faith will be strengthened as you read this book, Seeing is Believing. Call today for your copy. Your donation of any size helps us to stay on the air, and we appreciate your support. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Call now, 888-244-HOPE. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.